husbands this week. We looked a little bit last week at God's instructions to wives and how that even overlapped, and it's going to also overlap today. Uh, so again, just because you're not a husband in the room does not mean you can just run out of the room or shut off. Um, whether if uh, whether you're single, whether you're uh, a woman or a wife, it doesn't matter. Everyone will, can learn from God's Word today, so we're excited about coming together for that. Um, before we get to that, uh, just a few announcements, and I know we started like a minute early so that I can make just two quick, an- two quick announcements. First one being, um, I feel a little warm, and maybe some of you do too. If you want to open the windows, that would be great. If, you're, if you don't like the breeze, then don't open them. That's fine. But if you feel f- like you want to open the windows, please do so. Um, and uh, that also gives us some airflow, which is great too. Uh, so that's just one real simple thing. Next thing, if you are in Epic Teens or a parent of an Epic Teen, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, um, we are having a late night tonight. <clears throat> it's our first late night of the year. Uh, we are going to take Epic to the theater. Uh, we, we actually reserved the theater over in Hornell, and we are going to take the kids, at, the teens after youth group is over, over to the theater to show a movie. Um, we're not revealing that movie yet because we don't want teens to not come because they think it's lame. So, um, <clears throat> but parents, if you if parents if you have questions, I will answer you the the question in case you are concerned. But I, uh, but you can talk to me about that. But I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that. Uh, so, teens, we are going to the theater right after uh, Epic tonight. That means that you'll have to be ready to to move. And uh, if you are going to be traveling, parents, just so you know, uh, if they're traveling with a youth leader, they'll be wearing masks in the vehicle the whole way. Uh, and if you would rather take your kid, then feel free to do that. So that's that. All right. So let me open now in a word of prayer before we dive into de- into today on husbands loving their wives in a covenant marriage. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I want to thank you again for the opportunities that we continue to have to come together to fellowship and worship and to learn from your word. God, no pandemic can ever overcome your power. And we can still meet and we can still learn and we can still have fellowship with one another and fellowship with you. No matter how much social distance is required, we never have to be distant from you, and we just praise you and thank you for that today. As we look to your word, I pray that you would guide us, direct us, help us to see what you would have for us to change, whether we're husband, a wife, or unmarried. Lord, I I pray that you would open up uh, our hearts and our minds to understand what you would have for us to understand today, and that that might make a difference uh, in the way that we live the life that you've given us. So I pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, we are looking at the other side of the coin today, as I already said. Last week, if you were with us or if you were online, you heard Pastor Justin talk about the, the S word, submission, and he talked about how, what that is and what it isn't and how a husband needs to correspond with his wife as we talk about this idea of submission and headship and today the love of a husband I'm not going to spend too much time talking about headship and submission today because it's been well already taken care of last week. So if you're, if you need to listen to that again, by all means, please do that. It's online for you to listen, to watch. Uh, and so today we are going to focus in on the next part of this. The, we're going to flip the coin over and instead of talking about a submission of a godly wife, we're going to talk about the love of a godly husband and, and how it is as husbands we should live, we should love our wives. Uh, now, just out of the gate, I want to make sure that this is very clear. Uh, this is an area in my life that I have do not measure up to what the Bible says I should be as a husband. So whatever I say today is not me saying, look at me, I am a great, wonderful, loving husband, uh, and look at you, you're not. That is nothing, has nothing to do with this. Ask my wife, she'll tell you my flaws, I have plenty. Um, and this is something that's really hard for me to do. And it's something that we can do together as husbands or prepare for if we're not yet husbands or even if we're wives or uh, women that will someday be wives or maybe somebody who will be single forever for the rest of their life. In all of these things, there are truths that we can find on how a husband should treat a wife is not that different than what God expects of all of his children and how we treat one another. Uh, And so that's going to be kind of what we're going to look at today. 
So let's take a minute to look at some quick review, some very overarching themes that we've been looking at through this marriage and sexuality series. Um, First thing we saw right off the bat, marriage is a God-initiated covenant between a man and a woman. We can't miss this. There's so much truth even in this simple statement. It's God-initiated. God is the one that brings marriages together. It's a covenant. It's not just a contract on paper. This is a covenant that is a binding, relational uh, uh, covenant. There's no other word for it. It just is something that is beyond what we even can understand. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's physical. It's all of those things. And it's between a man and a woman. And of course, in our society, that is something we need to make sure we are clear about. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we go on in this series. Then we looked at the purpose of marriage, which also cannot be missed. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God by pursuing holiness and displaying Jesus' love to the world. That is what marriage is all about. Uh, marriage is about glorifying God. It is not primarily about being nice to another person, although that is a good thing to do. The ultimate purpose is not to have children, although that is something that is good. The ultimate purpose is through all of that, those things that we glorify God. We show His immense importance to us and to the world as we love one another in a marriage covenant. That is what we see in Scripture. And then we talked about a lot of different things in between there, and we talked about marriage uh, and how it isn't the ultimate. Again, it's about God, not about us. And then last week, as I already mentioned, Justin did a great job of explaining how wives are called to voluntarily submit to their husbands for God's glory. Again, not to miss this. It's not a wives submit to your husbands because men deserve it or because you need to fit into a certain mold, but because this is what glorifies God. Submitting yourself to your husband who is submitting himself to Christ and that all goes together is something that glorifies God and that is what our heart should be in our lives. And so that's what we've looked at. Like I said, that is nowhere near the detail that we've gone into. So if you want to go back, you have the opportunity to do that. Today's main idea is simply going to be that husbands are called to love their wives for God's glory. If wives are called to voluntarily submit to their husband for God's glory, husbands are called to love their wives for God's glory. Now, I want to talk about where we're going here just a little bit, because this seems like a very easy statement to put down there. Uh, Husbands are called to love their wives. First of all, we need to have an understanding of what real love really is. And I think society doesn't quite understand that. I don't even know if we always understand what true sacrificial self-giving love is. And we're going to talk about that today as we continue on through this outline. As we continue to go through what we see in the Bible, we're going to see what that looks like. But in society society today, and you'll see that the title of today's sermon is Holy Wife, Holy Life. Now, if you you probably already know where this is going, uh, you... When you are a young man, and maybe you're there today, or maybe you've been, uh, and you're getting ready for marriage, or you're starting to date, or people, well-meaning, older people who are married want to talk to you, and sometimes it's in jest, and sometimes it's kind of serious. I remember getting this advice several times as I was young, and, and dating, and engaged, and heading toward marriage. I would hear two things from my um, my friends and my mentors, they would say, remember the two things you need to know when you get married. The first thing is, remember, happy wife, happy life. Now, maybe you've heard that before. The understanding of that statement is, if you just make your wife so that she's happy all the time, then you'll be happy too. And the point is, you treat your wife well so that you will then be treated well. The whole understanding of that is very flawed uh, as we look at Scripture. Now, uh, we got to also define happiness here. Uh, we are not talking about the blessedness that the Bible talks about as being ultimate joy in Christ. That happiness does come as we love our wives, and that is very true. But on the temporary spectrum of things, the classic advice of happy wife, happy life is something that, as Christians, we need to discard and say that that is not how we should be living our lives. Well, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that she isn't mad at me or that she isn't uh, upset with me in any way, shape, or form so that then my life will be better. Love is not about selfishness, but selflessness. And when we are loving somebody for what we can get, it's not really love. 
The other thing that I hear that I heard a lot was the classic two words that you need to know whenever you're in a conversation with your wife are yes, dear. Yes, dear. Again, I understand the thought process behind this is don't fight with your wife. But what is really being said is just let your wife do whatever she wants because it gets you back to the happy wife, happy life. So just say yes, dear, and everything will be great. Maybe you've heard these before. Maybe you've heard them in jest or maybe you've heard them seriously. But I, I want to be very clear today that when we look at the Bible, loving our wives or even our spouses, even if we just talk about loving not only our wives but loving husbands, loving anyone for that matter, it's not about making us happy or making them happy based on the world's definition of happiness. And, and marriage is not about appeasing our wives no matter what. Like, no matter what, doesn't matter, even if you're wrong, yes, dear. That is not how the Bible talks about how a husband treats and loves and serves his wife. And so I want to make sure that we're clear on that. We've already seen that the goal of marriage is not temporary happiness, but it is to bring God glory through holiness. This will, And this holiness, though, I don't want to miss this, I said it earlier, like, God has a real happiness, a joy, a blessedness, a fulfillment that can only come from him. And it is true that if we love our wives well and our wives submit well to husbands, that what we will see is this real, true, deep and lasting joy that can come from that as we center our marriages around Jesus. That is something that can happen. So I don't want to overstate this and act like if you're married, if you're married, you're never going to be happy. That's not the point. Uh, but as we look at the world's temporary view of happiness, we need to understand uh, that we need to we need to discard the myth that says somehow uh, we need to do whatever it takes to make us happy by making others happy and just by appeasing no matter what. That is very dangerous. And if the purpose and goal of marriage is not temporary happiness, then it is holiness. And through that holiness, that's where true happiness can come from. Holiness, being set apart for God, being set apart, being different from the world. And can I just say that when we love our wives well, husbands and wives, when you submit well to your husbands, it is a, it is a glory to God and it does bring true joy, blessedness and peace in Christ and it is holy, it is set apart. The world does not know what that looks like. The world does not understand submission and love in the way the Bible talks about it. And if we do our very best, as failed and flawed as we are, to do these things, then God will receive the glory because we will become holy, set apart for him in the world that we live in. So how we love our wives and treat them is vitally important, husbands, as we talk about this today. Again, though, even if you're not married, how we treat anyone is important because it is a way to be holy and reflect the love of God to those around us. So let's dive in today as we try to make a a quick process through what Paul tells us, what we're told in Scripture on loving our wives. And there's three questions we're going to look at. And the first one is this. Why should a husband love his wife? Why? What is the reason Why should a husband love his wife? Not just because it's just a random thing to do. There are specific reasons. The first one we see, this should be very, very simple and very, very easy to understand. Uh, Loving our wives is a command from God. The very first reason of why we love our wives is because God tells us to. Uh, This... Unfortunately, we don't always understand this. But what God uses here in his word, we're going to look at two passages today over and over again. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. And we're just going to look at one verse in each of these passages. But don't worry, we'll flesh out the whole, whole of it as we go. Colossians 3.19 starts us and says this, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Alright, so that seems pretty simple. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Alright, so we got two verses, one in Ephesians, one in Colossians, and there's others. Uh, that, but what we're told in Scripture is very clear. Husbands, love your wives. This is not just a suggestion. Uh, Paul is not writing under the ins- in- in- inspiration of the Holy Spirit here where he's saying, like, the whole, oh, yeah, God is just saying this is a good idea. 
No, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be bitter or don't be harsh with them. That is where it's at. It's simple. It's in the Bible. It's black and white. Uh, We see it. So husbands, you don't have a way to get out of this. Like, well, you know, just I don't feel like it's really that important. Or she doesn't deserve it. Or fill in whatever you want to fill in as your reason or excuse to not love your wife. It doesn't hold water because God commanded us to do it. And so we do it. We see that the opposite of love is bitterness and a harsh attitude in Colossians. How many of us as husbands, or maybe if you're not married but you've heard husbands talk this way, are very bitter uh, uh, towards their wives, about their wives, and treat them as such? This is not love. This is not the way that husbands are called to love. And again, as I said before, this is not the normal normal of society. This submission, uh, so this is not the normal in our society to see love and submission, but I will say this, even going back to context, when these verses were written, it's very interesting because in Ephesians 5 specifically, Paul spends a lot of time talking to husbands. He gives like a couple verses to the wives and then a whole lot of verses to the husbands. And we think, why would this be? Well, you've got to understand at the time that these were written, it was kind of understood that in Jewish society and even in Roman society that if you were a woman, you were kind of off to the side and you would just submit. It was kind of natural. It was just the way that it was supposed to be. But men didn't know how to treat women. They didn't. They didn't. They, they treated them as property. They treated them as someone that was less and not equal. And, and Justin did a great job last week talking about how men and women are equal in the grace that God has given. And, and so at the time that these were written, this was something that was totally countercultural, even more than it is today. Like, this was crazy for Paul to start talking about this. For God to tell husbands to love their wives was something that was desperately needed in that time, and it's desperately needed today. And that, therefore, God commands it. All right, so that's the first reason why we would love our wives, husbands. Second, loving our wives is an outflow of the Christian life. We were just in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be there again. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. This is what we read. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And he continues on to talk about other relationships. Look at the context. Context, context, context. This is always important when we go to God's word. Wives being told to submit to their husbands and men being told to love their wives in this passage is directly connected to this whole passage of what it looks like to live the new life that we've been given in Christ. And so loving our wives is not as if it's an extra. It's not like it's extra credit. Like I can be a good Christian and then Love my wife is kind of on the side. Like, I can, I can follow Jesus well, but this whole thing with my wife is going to be separate. And if I do well with that, that's like extra credit. But if I don't, it doesn't really matter because I'm following Jesus. No, if you're following Jesus well, you will also be loving your wife well. Women, the same would be true. If you're following Jesus well, then your submission and your, your respect for your husband will reflect that. That is how the Christian life works. And all of these things are mentioned here. The instructions to wives and husbands are in the midst of exhortations on how to live the Christian life. So singles, you're held to the same standard. Married people, you're held to the same standard. This is what the new life in Jesus is meant to look like. We see compassion, we see kindness, we see humility, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness. These are all Christian traits that need to be in our lives. And if those are in marriages, just think about all of those words I just said. If those were what marriage was about, if all of those things were happening in a marriage, then man, that would be a pretty good marriage. Patience and love and kindness, forbearance, forgiveness, peace, 
thankfulness. All of these things come from that. In Ephesians 5, the same is true. If we go back to there and and we start looking back to verse 15 before we even get to 25, it says this. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit." addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands." Then we get to the verse 25 that we've already read. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we're going to read the rest of that later on. But for now, what we see, again, very clear in Ephesians as well, that submission and love is linked back to what it looks like to live the Christian life. So we can't divorce the two. We can't act like our marriage relationship is in a separate area of our life than our Christian relationship duties, our Christian love, our love for Jesus. We, it goes back to several weeks ago. I said we need to have the big circle of life be Jesus and everything else is within that circle. Not you've got the Jesus circle, the marriage circle, the kids circle, the work circle. No, it's one big circle that everything comes together in and that is Jesus. That is his love and his, his sacrifice, his grace. And we pour ourselves into that and therefore marriage is a natural, loving our wives is a natural outpouring of the love that God has given us in Christ. In Ephesians, we see some general things that are mentioned. Wisdom, uh, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Justin talked about this last week, that we can't, wives, you can't submit to your husbands without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I would say the very same thing is true of men loving their wives. You cannot love your wives well if you are not depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. We need Him to help us. So there's, there's that part here in Ephesians. There's mutual submission that is mentioned uh, and the idea that everyone needs to put themselves under one another in the sense of being willing to put others peop, other people first. That's humility. These are Christian traits that should also be exhibited in marriage. Again, if you see these things in a marriage, you know things are going well because it is a natural outflow of the Christian life. So why do we love our wives? Well, first of all, it's a command. Second of all, it's an outflow of the Christian life. It should just be natural. And finally, loving our wives is a way to serve Jesus. I love this point. I love this passage. Again, going back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, 18 through 24. So we've already read some of these, but let me just follow along with me again. Wives, submit to your husbands that is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, Catch that. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So, this passage, a lot of times we connect right back to the servant, to the master. But keep in mind, this whole section is all linked together. And I think that very, this is, I know I'm, This is something I'm taking maybe a little bit of a jump from where you've heard before, but I believe in context here, we see that just like a servant was to treat their master, so would a husband treat their wife, which is all about this coming back to you are serving the Lord Christ. Again, in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. The reason you love your wife, men, is for God's service, to show your love for him even more than your love for your wife. You love your wife, your wives so that they will see Jesus in you. And we're going to get to that point as well. But the whole point is here, loving your wife is a way to serve Jesus. Again, it goes back to what we've already said. Marriage is not separate from your relationship with Jesus. And if you want to serve Jesus well, you'll love and serve your wife well. The two are mutual. They come together. It's a both and. It's not an either or. A healthy family, even though this world may have what we see being healthy families, even if they don't know Jesus, is not truly a healthy family. A healthy family is only seen as it's under the umbrella of Jesus. And we serve him. 
whatever we do is to be done for him in service to him. You're looking for ways to serve Christ. This is a way to do it. Loving our wives or loving our spouses, submitting to our spouses, is not to please them. Keep that in mind. I mean, this passage is in there. It says, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. We don't love our wives for purely their sake. We don't submit to our husbands for purely their sake. What we love and submit for is for the sake of Christ. We can't miss that. So why should we love our wives? It's a command. It's an outflow of our Christian life. And it's a way that we serve Jesus. And I would say, what if your wife, your response to your husband is a way you can serve Jesus. Single, the way you respond to the people around you is a way that you serve Jesus. How you love and serve others is how you love and serve Jesus. That is clear throughout Scripture. All right, next question. How should a husband love his wife? How should a husband love his wife? Back in, going back to Ephesians chapter 5 um, and verses 25-26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. All right, so... How do we love our wives, husbands? How should a husband love his wife? Well, like Jesus, we should love our wives through sacrifice. That's the first thing we see. Like Jesus, we should love our wives through sacrifice. What Jesus did on the cross when he gave his life for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a restored relationship with God, he gave his very life. He gave everything. And not, it didn't just start there on the cross. He came down from heaven to be a man, to die on our behalf so that we could have a relationship with God and have reconciliation. Jesus did that. This was the most self-emptying love that we will ever see. No one can compare to this type of self-emptying, sacrificial love. His sacrifice was one of self-abandonment. And then Paul says what seems to be absolutely impossible, which, by the way, it is. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We will never be able to compare to Jesus' love in, in this life. But we can... We are called and told to do our very best to love anyone else with sacrifice, but especially husbands, our wives, to sacrifice, that we sacrifice our self-preservation. We do that for the good of another. That is the point of sacrifice, and that's what Jesus did here. He gave his life for us. He gave what was his so that we would get the benefit. And the truth is, when a husband loves his wife, he's going to give up what is his sometimes, and he's going to do what is best for his wife. That is love. It's sacrifice. Jesus gave himself for our good. We should give of ourselves for the good of others, including our spouse. But let me just say this. Sometimes sacrifice doesn't mean what you think it means. Sometimes you think, well, that just means that if I ever have an opinion about something, I just need to not say it and just go back to the whole yes to your thing. Okay, that is not sacrifice. Actually, sacrifice might look like, honey, I don't agree with you. This is the wrong direction that we're going. And I know this is going to really tick you off. And I know that you're not going to like me very much right now. And you might not be happy, but this is what the Lord is calling me to do. And I'm going to follow him. And that can be a sacrifice too, do we understand? Because we're, we're, we love that person. We don't want them to be upset with us, especially if you're like me and you just don't want people not to like you. Like, it is super hard for me when someone has any kind of criticism or it comes to me and they just don't like me, even if they don't have a reason. It just bothers me. And I don't want my wife to not like me. But if that's, but in the process, that's where we're getting to the point where we're making each other holy and helping us get to that point where we're set apart for the Lord, then there are going to be times like that. And that can be a sacrifice too. Now, man, I'm not telling you to be belligerent. I'm not telling you to be like, no, this is what I say, don't speak, and we're going to do it anyway. As Justin did a great job last week, you listen to your wife, you talk with her, you, you consider what, what the Lord wants you to do, but in the end, don't always just go to the default of, yes, dear, because that's not always a sacrifice. That actually might be the opposite, as I said at the beginning. That could be selfish motivation. Well, I don't want to ruffle the feathers so that I can feel... So I don't have to feel bad. Sometimes sacrifice means 
doing the hard thing even when we're going to be unliked. Hopefully that doesn't happen often, but it may. So, we love, like Jesus, we love through sacrifice. Like Jesus, we should love our wives with honor. Like Jesus, we should love our wives with honor. 527, we just read this, I'll read it again in Ephesians. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus died for us, gave us forgiveness, and it didn't just stop there. He justifies us. He, he declares us righteous and clean. He presents the church, all of us, he presents in splendor, in holiness. He, he, it's like we're his prize in, in a very real sense. And he holds us and he, we are precious to him. And so he honors us in that way. And we should do the same. Justin uh, used this verse in First Peter last week. So you've already heard this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I'm going to look at it maybe not differently, but just in a different light here as we're looking at a different subject. But in First Peter, uh, we see this idea of honoring your wife as a way to love your wife. First Peter 3, 7. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. This verse is very clear that women and men are equal in the eyes of God, and yet there is some kind of role differential, and there is a type that the husband has to, to protect and preserve. And that is a strong encouragement to husbands. It's a strong command to husbands there. And a lot of times we read this verse, and I've heard so many people make up such a big deal about this weaker vessel, because are women weak? Are they fragile? Are they breakable? Uh, that's not what Paul is getting at. He's, he, he's really getting at husbands to realize that we need to treat our wives with honor. He says that honor as a weaker vessel. This is this, this honor word is talking about with the worth that it's worth. So you're giving your wife the honor that is due because she is a creation of God who has the same grace that you have, who is the one that you are called to love in a way that is going to honor her. Now, I forgot to bring this with me today. I'm really upset with myself, but we have a little glass bowl in our house. It's a beautifully decorated little bowl. And it's up in our cupboard, and it only comes out, like, I don't know, once every couple years. And the reason for that is my wife won this bowl uh, at a wedding, I don't know, what, whatever they do before they get married, and they go and they look at dresses and stuff. I don't even know what it was. She, But she won a raffle anyway, so she ends up with this bowl that is, it retailed at like $99.99. And if I had it, you would see that about the size of my hands is about the size of this bowl. All right, so... I'm like, I don't know how anyone would ever spend $99.99 on a bowl that you can maybe, maybe put like, I would have to fill it like eight times in the morning to eat my cereal from. I'm like, what is the point of this bowl? But it's made of something expensive, apparently. I'm not even sure what it's made of. I don't know if it's glass, crystal, I don't know. But the point is, if I was going to bring it today and I was going to, because my wife said if it broke, it wouldn't matter. But uh, I was going to, like, juggle it for you. I was going to juggle it for you. I was going to say, would that be a smart way to treat a $100 bowl? No, it wouldn't, because I'm not honoring that bowl. And, and so when we do put it out, it's in a, it's in a place where it's going to be safe. It, it's in a place where it's going to uh, be presented. Uh, and we look at that with even Jesus, how he presents the church. And, and, and so, okay, guys, now you're probably thinking, I don't, why are you talking about this bowl? I don't like bowls. I don't like bowls. So what if you got a brand-new sports car? How are you going to treat a brand new sports car, right? So you you go out, you've earned you've earned money, you've talked to your wife, and this is a mutual decision to have this uh, purchase. All right, so you <laughs> got to get that clear. Okay, so you buy this sports car, and it's beautiful. It's brand new, bright colored, shiny. It's wonderful. You're not going to take that sports car out off roading on the first day. Like, you're not going to get it muddy and scratched up. Actually, you're probably going to wax that thing every week. You're going to make sure you take it to the car wash every week because this is a beautiful piece of machinery that you just love, and we would use that word. But I'm afraid that some of us would treat a sports car much more delicately and much more with honor than we do our wives. Kind of goes back to in Colossians where it says, don't be harsh with your wife. I think this is what Peter is getting at here is husbands, treat your wives with honor as a weaker vessel. I mean, that that bowl, that's why I brought up the bowl. That's a vessel. 
you know, treat your wife with the honor that is due her. She is precious. She's a precious gift to you. I forgot to write down the reference. In Proverbs, it says that blessed is the man who finds a good wife. It's a gift from God. And so treat her as such. Treat her better than any sports car or any fragile bowl. And that is what we see here. So we treat our wives with honor. That's one way we love. So how should a husband love? With sacrifice, with honor. And finally, back to Ephesians chapter 5, with unity. Ephesians chapter 5, with unity. And I didn't know exactly how to say this, so I'm going to have to explain myself to understand where we're going here. Uh, 5, 28 through 33. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, so what is this getting at? This idea of loving our wives in unity. The Bible is clear that we are the body of Christ, and actually we are told in Scripture that we are one with Christ. We are in unity with him. And we don't understand what that looks like, and that's why Paul calls it a mystery. I mean, it's like we see that now Christ is one with the church, and he, he has linked himself with us. He is the head. We are the body. And so there is that, that truth that we cling to, and that's what he's talking about in this passage. But what is the principle that's coming out in marriage? Well, the principle that's coming out in marriage is very simple, that... The great mystery of us being one with Christ, and then he talks about becoming one flesh in a marriage, and we realize that we love our wives as ourselves, but see, a lot of times, this passage is kind of put in the, you know, golden rule category. Like, love, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. And so, well, okay, then, alright, so I'll love, how I would treat myself, I'll treat my wife. I don't think we're getting the full picture here. The full picture is actually, and this is how I'm going to say it, I hope you follow what I'm saying, but we love our wives as ourselves because they are us. I know that sounds weird, it's probably not grammatically correct. We love our wives because they are us. We love our spouses because they are us. We are one flesh. Not two people, we're not Siamese twins, two separate people that are disconnected. We are one. We are one flesh. And so how you treat your wife is literally how you're treating yourself. So if you wouldn't treat yourself with disdain or bitterness or harshness or anger, if you wouldn't beat yourself up, if you wouldn't uh, belittle yourself, then you're not going to do that to your wife because when you do that to your wife, you are hurting yourself. It, It doesn't make sense. It's like if I decided, going back to the body analogy, we're one body where, well, this hand decided it didn't like the left hand, and so it's going to slice it off. The whole body suffers. It's not like you can just isolate things. And the point here is very simple that is being made. When we love our wives, we do it in unity, understanding that every decision we make, every way that we treat our wife, everything we do, and this is wives to husbands and husbands to wives, I don't want us to lose that, is a way that we show that we are one. What we do to to or for our spouse is what we're doing to or for us. And that changes the way we think about how we treat others. And that is a, that's the point. It's a mystery that we don't understand. But we are one flesh and therefore you do treat your wife as yourself. You love your wife as yourself because in a very real sense, she is you. Weird, I know, but that's the truth. Do we understand it all? No, it's a mystery, but it's true. All right. Last question, to what end should a woman, uh, should a woman, to what end should a husband love his wife? To what end should a husband love his wife? This could also be asked why, but we already asked the why question. So to what end? So not only, before we looked at what reason, but what is the purpose? What is the overall goal? To what end should a husband love his wife? Colossians 3.17, we already looked at it once, I believe, we're going to look at it again. Colossians 3.17. No, we didn't look at it yet. All right, this is at the end of the passage where we just we read earlier about how it's right before he talks about husbands and wives, and it's in the midst of the passage where he's talking about this is what the Christian life looks like. And what he says in verse 17 is very clear. And whatever you do, including in your marriage, whatever you do, there's no exceptions, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A husband's love will glorify Jesus. 
a husband's life will glorify Jesus. Now, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but that's because this is important. The way you love your wife is the way you glorify Jesus. It's not just about you and her, but it's about you, her, and him. It's about glorifying Jesus. That is the point. And so we glorify Jesus. That is to the end. We love our wives not for their ultimate temporary happiness or for peace in the home or for a good family or a happy family. We love our wives to glorify Jesus. That is our motivation. Secondly, as we look at to what end a husband loves his wife, a husband's life... um, Oh, man. I, okay, yes. Uh, our husband's love will lead to this sanctification. We'll say a husband's love will sanctify his wife. Ephesians 5.25. Ephesians 5.25, we're back there. We already read these passages again. In verses 25 through 27, I won't read them because of time. We've already read them, but it's very clear that Jesus died for us, what? To make us holy. And so, a husband's love will sanctify his wife. Now, I want to be very clear and very careful here. A husband is a feeble, fallible, flawed man is not the one who can actually make his wife holy. It's not like you can say, get a magic wand and be like, boom, you're holy. That's not the point. Who is it that makes all of us holy? Answer that question, people. Jesus, right? Okay, good Sunday school answer. Jesus is the one that makes us holy. He made us holy through his death and his resurrection. And when we come to him and we submit ourselves to him, we are holy. He gives us holiness that we can't have or manufacture ourselves. So how then do I say a husband's love will sanctify his wife? A husband's life will point his wife to to Jesus. A husband's love will point his wife to Jesus. And that's how she is sanctified. We don't declare our wives holy or make them holy, but we can lead them to the one who can. He cleanses and sets us apart, and we must lead our wives to him through loving our loving words and our loving example. Can I just say that the true, the same is true of wives to husbands? Through submission and love, it's also a way to make your husband more like Jesus. And husbands, our love is a way to help our wives become more like Jesus. We've put them in his hands and we drive them to Jesus because he is the one they need. They don't need us ultimately. So many times as husbands, we try to be the, the savior. We try to be the hero. And usually that doesn't work well, guys. Usually you mess up somehow because we're not perfect. We don't drive our wives to us to say, we are the solution, we are the hero, we are the one that you need to look to. We draw our wives to Jesus because he is perfect, far beyond anything we can imagine. And so therefore we lead and drive our, our wives towards Jesus. And wives, you lead and drive your, your, your wives, your husbands towards Jesus. That is the point. Again, holiness is not, it, it, holiness is about being like the most holy person, which is Jesus. So it's all about being Christ-like. As we're Christ-like and we're more like Jesus, we're less like the world and we are seen as holy. And so in a, in a marriage relationship, we help each other in these things. One thing to say, we can't lead our wives towards Christ-likeness or holiness if we're not pursuing Christ-likeness in us. I said another way, and I heard it this, as I studied this week, we can't expect our wives to submit in godly ways if we don't submit to Christ first. Our love for Christ needs to be there in order for us to draw other people into that love. That just makes sense. You know, it's it, it's very similar to, like, my kids. My, my boys are becoming Bills fans, and why is that? Well, it's because I've kind of pushed them in that direction. <laughs> you know, but the, the, the point is, if I wasn't a Bills fan, I wouldn't have drawn them that way. If they became Patriots fans, that would be weird. All right, so we need to draw... I know that's simple and stupid, but I, I just... we got to draw people towards Christ, because we love Christ, so therefore it'll spill out. That's my point. That's where I was trying to get. So it just spills out. My love for the bills, love. My like for the bills spills out. <laughs> so my kids catch that. My love for Jesus should spill out so much more. And my wife and my kids should get that as well. A husband's love finally will bring eternal blessings. Back to Colossians chapter 3. I know we're just flip-flopping back and forth. But Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24 Whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, again, this word whatever, there is not an excuse here. There's not a, uh, well, not if this, but this is whatever you do. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Listen, whatever you do, loving your wife, you do, why? As to the Lord and not for men or not for your wife. You love your wife because of the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. What is the point here? What is being said very clearly in all of our relationships? It's basically, you worry about doing what you are called to do, not worried about whether it's being responded to well. Even if our love is not reciprocated by our wife, the the real reward is our eternal inheritance. That's what we're getting at here. And he's saying that to servants, he's saying that to children, he's saying that to wives, he's saying that to husbands. The point here is that eternal blessing is what we look to. That is one of uh, the end. That we, the, why, do we, why do we love our wives? What is the purpose? Well, it's to glorify Jesus, it's to sanctify our wife, to lead her towards Jesus, and it's to remind us the, of the eternal blessing that no matter what, even if our love is not reciprocated, or if that happy wife, happy wife thing never happens, your wife is never happy with you, maybe Maybe you're in a uh, relationship where one of you knows Jesus, you know Jesus and she doesn't, and there's not going to be agreement there, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be harsh, and it's going to be a, a life that just seems scary and hard to live. The point is, you're not loving your wife because she deserves it, you're loving your wife because God said to, and he's going to give you the reward. Just like last week we looked at women, you don't, wives, you don't submit to your husband just only if they deserve it, but it's because that's what God has called you to do for his glory. And so again, a husband's love will bring eternal blessing no matter what the temporary results might be, even if our wife is disrespectful and nasty. Now, just like Justin said last week to women, and I know this is much, it's less common, but there are times where a wife can be abusive to a husband. And I am not saying here that if you are being abused physically, emotionally, uh, in a way that you know is abuse and it's tearing you down, that that means you have to just stick it through because that's what you have to do. No, get help. Get help. Ask for help. Come to others. Because that will ultimately be what's good for your wife, just like it would be good for your husband if he is abusing you women like we talked about last week. To draw them to Jesus, that might be what needs to happen. In essence, we do what is right and put the rest in God's hands. It's always said in counseling many times, we can only control what we do, not we can't force others to do things. We, we can only do what we can do and do our very best to love our wives or in, in the case of a wife, to submit to their husband and leave the rest up to God knowing that he's got it under control and eternity is coming. So those are our questions that we answered. Why, how, and to what end? Now let's go through some practical implications. As always, this will go fast. So buckle up. Here we go. All right. Husbands, practical implications first to husbands. Lead your wives in love and in truth. Ephesians 4.15 says that we need to be truthing in love or speaking the truth in love. And so husbands, you need to leave your wife. Oh my goodness. Lead. You need to lead. Lead, lead, lead. Let's make sure we get that clear. Lead your wives in love and in truth. The first way we can do this is by serving. Serve your wife. Mark 10, 42-45 is where Jesus talks about the greatest among you should be the servant, the greatest servant among you. So we need to serve our wife. If Jesus' love came as a result of he was the one that came to seek and serve the lost, that's actually that passage, to seek and save the lost. That was what uh, Jesus, he, was, he came not, he came as a servant. That's the whole point there in the whole book of Mark, actually. But Christ came as a servant, so therefore we serve as he served. And so we serve our wife. Christ's mission was to love us through serving us. So find ways to serve your wife above yourself. This is in every area of your life. It's not just about, this is what I hear, do the dishes for your wife. Yeah, sure, do that. This is bigger than that. Serve your wife in every area of your life, whether that is in the kitchen, whether that's in the dining room, whether that's in the living room, whether that's outside, whether that's in the bedroom. We serve our wife. Serve her. Well, you put your own rights aside as Christ did to serve others. And here's the truth, guys. If, you're, if you serve and love your wife well, then going back to last week, it's going to make it a whole lot easier for her to submit. 
And then we have both doing what we're supposed to do. Love and submission comes together for the glory of Christ. Next, teach your wife. In Colossians 3, one of the things it talks about is how we need to be teaching one another. And that is true in a relationship, in a marriage relationship. And I'm not talking about like in a classroom. I'm not saying, all right, wife, sit down on the couch, let me get my lectern out, and I'm going to teach you a theology class. That's not what I'm getting at here. Although maybe some of you love doing that, and that's awesome if you like to have those deep theological teaching conversations. That's great. But what I'm saying is teaching your wife looks like, uh, it, it looks like, uh, mutual upbuilding through the Word of God, uh, bring, being the, the initiator to bring your family, your marriage to the Word of God. It's, it's mutually upbuilding one another to learn what God has to say, and that is a way we can teach our wives. And wives, you should teach your husbands in that sense, in the sense that if they're not bringing you to the Word, you can get the Word out. You're not, like, not submitting because you say, here, husband, let's read the Bible. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. But husbands, we should be initiating and by the way, I, I missed this earlier on, I wanted to say this, but when we talk about love and submission, they're similar in the sense that they're both sacrificial, but love takes the initiative. Submission is more the response. And so men, we can't just sit back. We need to take initiative to love our wives, especially in this area, to lead them to know Jesus more through his word. It's not just about what you say, but it's about what you do as well. So not only do you teach through your words and through the time in the word together, but you set an example and you encourage mutual growth. And then finally, the last way you can teach your wife, wives, you can help spur your husband towards Jesus and knowledge of him, is to come to church. I know you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir. But it is important that you, as a husband, love your wife enough to lead her to become part of the church, to connect with a body that gives her more than what you can give. Again, like we talked about before, so that your nuclear family, your physical family, can become part of the spiritual family. And it's important to lead your husband or wife, to lead your spouse in the sense of coming to church to learn the Word of God, to fellowship over the Word of God, to sing the Word of God. All of those things are mentioned in Colossians, and we can't miss that. So that's a way that we teach. Uh, So not only do we serve and teach, but we pray. Pray for your wife. Colossians 4.2, after all the instructions are given, uh, we, we see, I'll read this quickly. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know, Ephesians 6 will tell us the same thing as it goes into after the Ephesians 5 passage where it talks about praying. Prayer is important. You pray for your wife. You can't love your wife well without God's supernatural help, and so therefore we pray for it. How do we pray? We pray for her holiness, not just her happiness. We pray for our wives to pray that our wives will become more like Jesus. Not just that they'll have a happy life, but that they'll have a holy life with Jesus. So we pray for our wives. Next section, we looked at what husbands should do. Wives, what should you do? In all of this, I did a lot of talking to the men. Let's take some minute to talk to the women. Wives, help your husbands love you well. I can't underscore this enough. We need your help because we're losers sometimes and we need your help. We want to love you well. If we're a godly person that is following Jesus, we want to love you well, but we are so imperfect and so flawed. Please help us however you can help us. You do that by respecting your husband, Ephesians 5.33. You respect, respect your husband. I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've heard conversations of either, and it goes both ways, men or women, talking very negatively about their spouse. Even if they can't hear you, that's not going to foster a good relationship. And when you're harsh and bitter to him, or you refuse to respect him, then it's going to be that much harder for him to love you. Not that it gives him an excuse not to love you, but it does make it harder. Next, love your husband. Titus 2.4, Pastor Justin mentioned this last week. Uh, Older women were instructed to teach younger women how to love their husbands. So it's not as if the husband needs to love and the wife doesn't need to. The point is we love one another. And and, and so what what we're asking for women here, wives, love your husband. Love is not just a one-way street, it's both ways. Sacrificial love uh, is for wives to show husbands too. We show sacrificial love to one another. And here's the deal for husbands and wives. Don't love to be loved, but love because it glorifies Jesus. Have you heard that before? Probably about a hundred times. Don't love just for love's sake. 
Love because it glorifies Jesus. So love your husband, even when he's unlovable. Even when he's not loving you well, you love him anyway. That goes for husbands too. If your wife isn't loving you, love her anyway. Finally, pray for your husband. Same thing in Colossians 4 too. Your husband won't love you well if you don't pray for him because he needs Jesus' help. He needs the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, pray that he will love you well. Pray that you will submit well. Pray that your marriage will drive one another towards Jesus. That is what we pray for. For all spouses, the next thing, these next three implications, spouses focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. In conflict, I, I want to say this quickly because there's a lot of conflict in marriage and we don't want that to happen, uh, but it happens, right? There's fighting in marriage. It's part of marriage, but a lot of times it's unneeded because we forget who the real enemy is. We look at one another and we think, my spouse is the enemy, but that's not true. Ephesians 6, which talks about the armor of God right after Ephesians 5, says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual powers. It's against, it's, it's against Satan and all of that stand, that Satan stands for that is trying to divide our marriages. Because if our marriages get divided, then God's glory is tarnished. That's what Satan wants. He's already, he's gonna lose the final battle, but he wants to take as many people with him as possible. And so we need to remember who the real enemy is and therefore not fight against each other, but fight against who we really need to be fighting against through the power of Jesus. It's spiritual warfare, and we need to look at it that way. Love and submission will bring unity in the mission and leave no room for friendly fire. If you love your wife, husbands, and wives, if you submit to your husband, when we come together, we are in unity, in the mission of God, going against the powers of evil, and instead looking for the glory of Jesus, then we won't have time to be shooting each other, and friendly fire won't happen. And so remember that in conflict. Submit to one another is my next point. Ephesians 5.21 says, uh, talking to all Christians to submit to one another. Selfless love and selfless, selfless submission bring unity and peace. Submission may look different. So for the husband, it's the initiating love that is self-sacrificing. For the wife, it is the submission that responds to that love in a way that glorifies Jesus. And it's so it's different submission, but it's still the understanding of my needs are coming secondary to yours. My wants are coming secondary to yours. My wants, needs, and everything is coming secondary to Jesus ultimately. And so we submit to one another as we submit to Jesus. And when we talk about that submission, I'm simply just talking about humility. Be humble. And finally, pray with one another. I've said to pray for your wife, pray for your husband. Those are vitally important. But again, in the spiritual battle, what does Ephesians 6.18 tell us? It says in a spiritual battle, we need supernatural help by seeking the Lord in prayer. So do it together. Do it together. Again, if you're praying to Jesus to drive you together, to drive you to him, then we are not depending upon ourselves, but we're depending upon him, and he will help us seek him the way we should. So those, real quickly, some practical implications of what we see how a husband should love his wife. In conclusion, some questions to ask as we leave. First of all, have you submitted to the, in- the incomparable love of Jesus? Jesus gave everything for you if you will only come to him in faith. He gave everything to die so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be made, we could be declared righteous, so that he would bring us holiness. And if you don't know Jesus, then don't wait any longer. You need to dive into his love. You need to receive him. You need to uh, repent and commit your lives to Jesus. And if you have more questions about that, as always, talk to anyone you know who knows Jesus. Send us a message if you're online. We want you to know Jesus above all else. Before marriage is well, before a husband can love a wife, they must know Jesus. Two other questions. Are you truly loving your spouse and others? Whether you're married or not, are you truly loving people in a self emptying way are you sacrificing for others and then finally are you more focused on temporary happiness instead of holiness do not be more focused on making your wife your family yourself happy in this life it doesn't last focus on the holiness that without which we will not see the lord we're told 
and we strive for that holiness, understanding that that holiness will lead us to the ultimate blessedness and happiness that we will never give up. So don't buy the lie of a happy wife, happy life, or a happy husband, happy life. It's holy wife, happy life. Holy, holy spouse, holy life. So let us think about that as we close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for your truth. God, I pray that you would bring your truth to the heart of everybody here. I know we're all in different areas of our life. Some are married, some are not. Some have been married, some have never been married. Some uh, will be married, some may never be married. But uh, Lord, all of this reminds us of your great love. And you're the example that we follow, whether in marriage or not in marriage. Help us to follow your example of love and sacrifice. Help us to look for your glory. Help us to glorify you in everything we do, whether as a husband, as a wife, as a child, uh, as a, a worker. Lord, just help us to glorify you. We pray that today, especially in our marriages, as we continue to go through this series. We thank you for your reminder of your love and your kindness, and help us to show that in our relationships as well. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.